Amen. Um, I need some kiddos up here. So if you are first through fifth grade, I, I would love to get you up here right now. That means I'm not going to have anyone doing slides, huh? <laughs> I don't know if Mike's there or not. Mike, Mike went home. He just dropped back off and left. We are, we are starting something again that it has been a while. I don't like to stand way up here. I'm way taller than you. Um, but this is going to be our first attempt at bringing some, some kids' church back to life a little bit. And we are starting with Miss Megan, if you don't know, has an extremely amazing heart for the mission field. And she has been to Africa to put that to use and, and different places with the other churches that she's been at. So she just has this, this heart for this global church that we're a part of. And so on the first Sundays of the month, most months, um, one month it's going to be the second Sunday, but on the first Sunday of the month, we are going to introduce our kiddos to the mission field and what that looks like. And so they will be going back with Miss Megan today and Miss Shea, and they will uh, be learning about our missionaries and what they do and how they support that, getting ready for, hopefully, and this is a prayer request as well as an announcement, April 26th, we are looking forward to Lou and the, the, the Corinne people coming back. Um, why it's a prayer request is because right now, uh, Thailand has shut down all flights um, due to the coronavirus. So um, we are hoping that they are able to come and, and that they are able to still maintain, mostly because they've already bought tickets and that's like $2,700 they'd be out if they can't come. So uh, just be praying for that. And I want to pray for these kids as they go back. You have six extra booklets. See, I told you, you're good. Father God, I thank you for our kids and I thank you that they are going to be part of, no, they already are a part of a global church. A church that doesn't just, is not in Carson and not just Sacramento area and not just the USA and Canada, but all over the world. So Lord, as they go back and as Miss Megan brings them this information and they get to do some fun activities with it, I just pray that you show them how amazing your church is around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Now get out of here. Thank you. Now it's better. This is officially, oh, before, I, I'm glad I saw Wendy right there. Uh, I want to apologize to the kids if there are no Australian flags or uh, Union Jack flags on the table back there. Um, Wendy made sure that we knew that. <laughs> but... But how many, of you, how many of you kind of felt like you were at a Hillsong concert this morning because Wendy read this scripture and then she led that song and I was like, wow, this is very Australian. It's because it's mission themed today, so we let Wendy read. Um, <laughs> this is the first Sunday of Lent and, and Lent is uh, a time for us to reflect and a time for us to to seek after what it looks like to experience a reconciliation that a lot of people don't ever get to have a hand on or a hand in. And so not only do we seek during Lent this God of redemption, but we also get to seek this idea that we are a redemptive community in and of ourselves. That because we are the church of the Redeemer, that'd be a good church name. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, it does sound Catholic, huh? Uh, it, it, because we are a church that believes in redemption, we get to be a part in redemption. And so we are a redemptive community. So when people walk into a place of worship, we get to be that face of forgiveness. The problem is sometimes we're terrible at it. 
problem is sometimes we are so busy judging or thinking about their past or we know them from somewhere and we know who they are and we've, we've, we've stuck that label on them so hard that when they come into our place of worship and maybe we see them raise their hands during worship or sing the songs and we tend to roll our eyes and go, I know them. There's no way they really mean that. And so we, we forget that we get to be a community of redemption. We forget that we get to be a community that offers forgiveness. We forget that we exist here for one major reason, for broken people to find healing. If we don't exist for that, then let's just close the doors. Because when we get to a point where we are just a bunch of holy people gathering together, that's called a country club, not a church. And I never want to be a country club. I want to be a place where broken people stumble in this place, sometimes not sober. And we can put our arms around them and say, you are welcome. I'm not saying you should hug strangers. It freaks them out. But what I, figuratively, we put our arms around them and we say, you are welcome here and we are glad that you are here, regardless of the state of mind you are in right now. And I want to be a place where people actually find redemption and not judgment. I want to be a place that we trust God to speak through his Holy Spirit into the lives of people in a way that when they leave here, they feel different, not because we've done it, but because our kindness has led him to a place where they could hear from God. That is why the season of Lent is so important to me. Is because it is, a play, it is a time where we set aside the next 40 days from now until Easter, actually from last Wednesday till Easter, that we set aside on purpose this opportunity for us to go, are we that kind of community? Are we a church that someone can walk in here and feel like, wow, that was weird because I've never met those people, but something about it made me feel like I've known them forever. Can we be a place like that? Can, can this be a church where no matter who walks in, like, like what would happen if someone were to come here today in a suit? Could we be a church that could hug someone? Because this is what we say. We dress like this because clothes don't matter. Well, why does it matter if someone wears a suit then? But it does. Can we, be, can we be the church that's going to hug their neck just like we hug the guy's neck who is barely afford anyone's clothes? Like he, he just came because this is all he has, and his sweatpants have holes in them. We're, we're good at loving that. In fact, that's awesome. But can we love the professional, the, the, the white collar that comes in here and is all put together and got it figured out? Do we have room for that too? This is what we do during this season, is we search ourselves to figure out if there is room for everyone in our lowercase kingdom, because we know there's room for everyone in the uppercase kingdom, but is there room for everyone here? Have you ever been apologized to where you know the apology wasn't real, like a sorry, not sorry moment? Have you ever, have you ever experienced something like that where somebody says, uh, I, I'm sorry that you feel that way. That's not an apology, right? If somebody's feelings are hurt and you say, I'm sorry your feelings are hurt. I, or, or how about even, let's go a little more extreme for the point to be made. I'm sorry you're stupid. 
Because really, ultimately, when you say, I'm sorry you feel that way, you're saying, I'm sorry that your unwarranted feelings are, are, are coming to the surface, and I don't really acknowledge them, but I'm sorry you feel that way. As opposed to taking on an apology in such a way where you say, I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry, even if you say, I'm sorry I made you feel that way. An apology always has to start with this, this acceptance of the fact that something that you have done has wounded someone. It doesn't always have to be warranted. You can apologize for a misunderstanding. It doesn't, an apology does not mean that you're admitting guilt. This week I, I Googled apology, and one of the articles that came up was so interesting to me, and it was, it was 12 reasons not to apologize. And I thought, this is going to be good. And so I open it. The first one is never apologize because you admit guilt. So, for instance, if you're in a car accident and you jump out and you say, I'm so sorry I hit you, you've just admitted guilt. You, you, so so the, the whole premise of this was don't do it and then you're never guilty of anything. If you don't apologize, you're not admitting to anything. Then the article right below that was an article that was justifying getting rid of apologizing altogether. And so instead of saying you're sorry for being late, you say, thank you so much for the patience that you showed in waiting for me to show up. What? Like, I, I get it. I, I have friends in my life that over-apologize. And they probably need to take a little bit of this on. They apologize for things that aren't their fault. But we do that all the time. I, oh, I'm not. I don't feel good today. Oh, I'm so sorry. You didn't get me sick. Not your fault. But we, but we, we tend to sometimes over-apologize. So this, I'm sorry that I'm late, turning into, um, thank you so much for the patience that you're showing. I really appreciate that. Can, can we still acknowledge when we've made a mistake and apologize for it? And maybe it's just me. I, time is important to me. And when you're late, I feel like you don't value my time. And you should apologize for that. I'm going to forgive you, and we're going to still be friends, but don't you dare tell me thank you for your patience <laughs> because I didn't have any. <laughs> it's, it's like when you walk into a, to a store or restaurant that's under construction, they say, thank you for your patience while we can... No, I, 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 I haven't given you that. I'm irritated you're under construction. I, I haven't been patient, so don't thank me preemptively. We have to get to a place where we are people that understand that there are things that are required of us as people. Is it fair? No. But we live in a society. And what happens when we live in society, we subscribe to this idea that it's not just individual holiness we ascribe for. It's also social holiness. And I am going to act in a way that is going to benefit you because I think that you're worth it. It looks like this. Not so much anymore, but back in the day, um, we had a lot of people that would come to church that, that smoked cigarettes, and we have no problem with that. Uh, they, 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 were, they were more than welcome. They could sit. They could be uh, whatever. The problem is, where the problem came is that they liked the smoke right by the front door. Well, that's very convenient for them, but for non-smokers or for people that have quit smoking, sometimes you don't like to walk through a cloud of smoke when you come in a building. So social holiness says, I respect and understand that you don't like this. You're not telling me I can't do it. I'm going to go to the end of the building to do this. 
And so we acknowledge the fact that there are actions that we take or there are actions that are happening around us that we have to interact with on a different level. This is why we take time to step back and figure out how to apologize. We, we figure out how to live amongst other people that our sin is not just personal sin. Last week, a lot of you know, I was in Texas visiting a friend of mine, and uh, I got to speak at their church. And just so you know, um, a little prophetic voice, they broke 100 for the first time last week, so I think we're right behind them. It's because I was there. It had nothing to do with Michael and the work he's put in. Um, there, there was this, this lady that came up to me after the message, and part of the message dealt with this idea that, that the world is messy, and the way we know it's messy is because in here it's, it's better. And when we go out there, it's not. And so when you think about Noah's Ark and the waves thunder, can you imagine this? You're on a boat, and animals don't use toilets. That place had to be horridly wretched. I mean, just you go down, where do you muck the stalls? You throw it overboard? But there's this, I, I, I just, and this is how I, I, I've shared this with you before. I read scripture very, very tangibly. And I just, I, I can just imagine going downstairs where the, where the animals are kept, you know, because that's gross. It had to stink. But no matter the stench, the storm outside was always worse. And so you wanted to be in here. So that was this message that she heard. She came up to me after church and she said, JJ, um, I've never shared this with anyone but Michael. I was, you talk about the church needing to be safe. And she said, I was molested in the church. And then when I got in a youth group, I was raped by my youth pastor. She said, I have a hard time feeling safe in the church. And I went, wow. And I looked at her and I said, I am so sorry. On behalf of the church, I am so sorry that that happened to you. I am so sorry that that was allowed to take place. I didn't do it. I don't know the person that did. I don't know the circumstances or anything. But I can still look at this broken person and say, I am so sorry that that happened to you. And as a, represent- as a representative of God, not just me, you are also, as a representative of Jesus, I am so, so sorry that you went through that. And, and it was weird because when you're at a new church, it's all new faces. And, and the funny thing is, when I first got up to speak, all I could do is see your faces because you all sit in the same seats. And, and their seats are laid out like the same way. And, and, and I'm seeing, but then all of a sudden I'm looking back and midway through the message, she is just, I can't tell because I don't know her, if she's laughing hysterically or bawling out of control. And it turned out she was bawling out of control. But she needed to hear the fact that this place, though it is not perfect, is better out there because we have a spirit that holds us together. And then she needed to hear, I am so sorry. And she said this, no one has ever apologized to me for that. I've never gotten an apology from either of the people. No one has ever said they were sorry. When I got back on Thursday, um, I got a text from Michael, and he said, I'm not going to tell you her name, but not that you know her, but um, he said, I just want you to know that because of that conversation you had with her, she is now willing to go. She signed up on Thursday to go into the local prison that they have in San Marcos to talk to sexual offenders. 
and let them know what it does to a victim. She went from never sharing this story to the fact because someone has said, I am so sorry, and listen, that is not me because I am not nice. Like, <laughs> the first day, man, I've gotten in a while, she's like, preach! I, it is not my natural tendency, but, uh, you know, in, this, in the midst of this conversation, I just, I, I felt like, call it whatever you want, stirring in my heart the Holy Spirit, that I felt like she needed to know that she was released from this and she was wronged. And because of that, it changed everything. I was not part of that. I did not do that. Her past had nothing to do with me. I met her Friday before the Sunday. But there's still this obligation. When someone on a higher level messes up, for us to be able to go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you were treated that way. It wasn't right. It wasn't fair. And we can look at them and we can offer forgiveness, even if we didn't do it. We're starting off uh, this season of Lent in the book of Daniel. It may be a book that you're not used to going through. It may be the fact that you only remember two things from the book of Daniel. You remember there was a lion's den that he got thrown into. And you remember there was a VeggieTale episode about Shackrack and Benny. Those two things are kind of the things we remember about Daniel. But the thing that we, I want to remember about Daniel in this time is that I want to remember the fact that Daniel, in the midst of captivity, see what happened is Jeremiah the prophet before Daniel said that the Babylonians were going to come in and they were going to conquer Jerusalem and they were going to take people out of Jerusalem back to Babylon and they were going to be there for quite a while. In fact, it said they were going to be there for 70 years. And then we get this famous passage from 2911 that says that God knows the future and wants to prosper you and all that. And we like to quote that. We like to have that thing on all of our refrigerators and our walls and our cars. But what we don't like to know is that God said that he will prosper us after 70 years of captivity. So this is the influence and the message that Daniel has as he's going into captivity. We're going to start in uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. It says, So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer. Prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and in ashes. I want to stop right there for just a second because there's weird things we do during Lent. And there are weird things that traditionally have happened to, to uh, show that we are in a fasting mode and a prayerful mode and a, and a prayer petition. And this is one of those weird things. One of the weird things is that they would put on sackcloths, which are basically, can you imagine wearing clothes out of a burlap sack? Chafee. But they, they, they would put on these sackcloths and they would, they, they would mourn and sometimes they would tear the sackcloths off in a way of just this, this pleading for Jesus in a way that was much bigger than them. And then they would dump ashes on their head. And, and they, would, they would walk around and everyone knew that something was going on in their life. And, and Wednesday when I flew home from Texas, there were people on the plane and there were people at the airport that had the little crosses on their forehead. And, and I knew what they had done. They had gone to an Ash Wednesday service that morning and now they're getting on the plane. And what they are doing is they are donning ashes in order to really declare to everyone that this is a time that I am seeking God. This is a time of fasting, of penitence. I'm seeking after God in this. And so they, they, they had these ashes on. And then we, we landed and we went to the Methodist church and we had our own Ash Wednesday service. And as people are donning these ashes, I know what's going on. They are declaring that this is going to be a time where they are going to seek the Spirit of God. 
And so that's what Daniel's doing. This passage is really Daniel sharing his Lenten commitment with you. He didn't have Lent then. But it's his way of saying this is what's important. This is what we're doing. So it's in verse 4. I prayed to the Lord, to the Lord my God, and I confessed. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants and prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, to our princes and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. I'm going to pause right there for a second. This is, this is Daniel confessing sins that he did not commit. When we hear about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these, three, these four characters of this, we, we hear about them in this way that they were persecuted because they kept the Lord's commands. So because of Jeremiah's message to the Israelites that you will be taken over because you continue to disobey the law of God, you will be taken over, you will be overthrown. This is Daniel saying, Lord, I am so sorry that we are a people of unclean lips. This message is the same thing that Isaiah recognized. Isaiah the prophet, when he says, I'm a message of unclean lips amongst a people of unclean lips. But you, but you move And so Daniel says, Father, I'm sorry. We have not done what you have called us to do. Verse 7. Lord, you are righteous. But this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all countries, you've scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame. Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord God is merciful and forgiving. Even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants and his prophets. This is Daniel pleading on behalf of his people. Maybe this looks like this for you. Maybe there are times that you plead on behalf of a loved one, on behalf of a loved one, and you go to God and you say, God, They keep doing this, and I know they do, but God, you're merciful. But God, show up. God, they keep making these choices, but God, you can can step in on this. And so Daniel, on behalf of all, even though he's done nothing, on behalf of everyone, he pleads before God as if he is the one that has sinned. Because sometimes corporate confession is as good, if not better, than our individual confession. Are we okay being able to confess the failures of the church? I am. One of the things that always kind of just makes me uh, a little uncomfortable, and I'm careful what I say here because I know we have a school in this town that, 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 that represents this perfectly. When a Christian school is called the Crusaders, What? <laughs> like, this was not a good time for the church. This was not something that should be celebrated. Can I stand up here and apologize for that? Yes, I can. Why? Because I am a now part of this church. And by being part of the capital C church, that is part of my history. And I should be able to stand up here and say, I am sorry for that. 
in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, and before that. There were pastors in the South that used Scripture to justify slavery. And there were, there were churches that fought against the freedom of people. There were churches that fought to make sure people stayed locked in oppression. And I feel like I can apologize for that. I'm sorry that that happened. I'm sorry that, that people of, of, of a clerical cloth decided that they were going to weaponize Scripture against a certain people. I am okay speaking to the LGBTQ community and saying to them, I'm sorry that you think we hate you. I am sorry that that has been the message that you have heard. I am sorry that because a few loud voices have come forward and said, because of your sin, you are not worthy of it. I am sorry for that. And I am very comfortable apologizing for things this church has done because I'm part of this church. And I don't mean connected. I mean church on the capital C level. Daniel is screaming out to God on behalf of his people, not for sins that he committed, but sins just the same. This is what it looks like to have a righteous anger and be indignant to injustice. When, when little, little American 13-year-olds that, that live in a community that the houses are all huge and she's wanted for nothing. But when she hears about the lack of clean drinking water in Africa and she decides that she is going to sew little birds as Christmas ornaments and sell those things so that she can now pay for to dig wells in Africa, that is the same thing. She is confessing, I'm sorry that we've turned our back on you and I'm going to do what I can. Because what it comes from that is this righteous anger. She didn't do it because she liked to sew. She did it because she was angry people couldn't drink water out of their tap like we do every day. And this righteousness comes up. And this, this justified anger comes up. People, Ashton Kutcher is not fighting the, this, this idea of human trafficking because it's easy. He's doing it because something in his art is angry about it. And he has funded these things where thousands and thousands and thousands of young people are being taken out of this. Point Loma Nazarene University does not give scholarships to, to, to kids that were trafficked because it's a good PR move. They do it because they believe it's the right thing to do. And it came from this anger of confessing for the church. We acknowledge that we have shortcomings. But even more than that, we acknowledge a God that can hold us together. And that is why we must be not just a people of redemption, not just a people of reconciliation. We must be a church of reconciliation so that the capital C church can be a church of reconciliation. And we have to mean that with everything that we have. And so when things get hard, we have to ask not what would Jesus do. <coughs> we have to ask what kind of grace Jesus would show. And it seems to me when I read the scriptures, Jesus was not real restrictive on his grace. He was hugging people he had no business hugging. He was healing on days he had no business healing. He was showing up in towns he had no business being at. 
He was going to parties that he should not have been at. But he said, you know what? These are my people. And as we journey to this cross, lead me to the cross, these things that we are doing, Jesus did them because we are his people. And we can be a church that says we're not perfect. And I'm just going to tell you right now, if you are perfect, you need to find another church because you'll throw our balance off. We are a flawed people that make mistakes. And I tell you this all the time. If you put your faith in me, I will let you down eventually. But you should not be here because of me. You should be here because the Holy Spirit has called you and that you're in this place because there's something bigger going on. And, and, when, and the people sitting next to you right now are going to fail you. But I hope and my prayer is that we are quick to confess and we are quick to say, I know I let you down and I'm sorry for that. If you've ever been hurt here. And I know there's people in this room right now that have. I apologize to you, and I'm sorry. And I mean that. I'm sorry for the wrong that we have done. But I believe that we serve a God that is longing to give redemption to those that come and say, screwed up. What do I do now? So during the season of Lent, uh, hey, Jacoby, can you go tell them that we're almost ready for connecting time because we want the kids to be back for that? Um, during the season of Lent, we need to be a people that are willing to come, not just individually, but corporately to these altars. When we have connecting time, we need to be a people that, that can respond to a call that is bigger than just you, but is a call to this church and to the church to be better. To represent a Christ that is, that, that is redeeming of all things. No matter what you brought in here this morning and what you did yesterday, it doesn't matter anymore because you can come to these altars, you can sit in your seats, and you can say, God, have mercy on me. And he listens and he forgives. So, so during this season, as we continue with our connecting time stations and, and, and just we, we've, got a, we've got a new one and some, some changes in these connecting time stations that I want to make you aware of, we will not be taking communion during Lent. This has been a practice that we have done for the past few years. And the reason why is not to deprive you of something, but to make you long for something. Just like through Advent, we take the time to expect and long and want Christ to be born. During Lent, we're going to take some time to want the broken body and the spilled blood. We want that redemption. So let's yearn for it. Let's take a time and intentionally miss it. Instead, what we have up here is news stations. Up here, if you came to the Ash Wednesday service, you will know that I stole it and I'm okay with stealing it. I told Maggie I was going to steal it. These are just simple containers of sand. And so it's an opportunity for you to come and you can grab this little cool little Zen rake if you want to, and you can write something down. You can use your finger if you want to. It could be a sin. It could be a challenge. It could be the thing that you are dealing with on a regular basis. And then what you do, here's the important part. The important part is not writing it down. The important part is you take this part of the rake and you erase it. And you get to embrace this idea that when Jesus knelt and he wrote down in the sand and everybody left, 
There was not an accuser left of that woman that committed adultery. It was wiped clean. So the sin that you have, the things that you're struggling with, the issues that, that are haunting you right now, you can write it down, but make sure you wipe it clean. It was either this or Etch-a-Sketches. And I figured Etch-a-Sketches would take too long and someone would do this and it would fly out of their hands. So this is a new station for us. Maybe you want to come to an altar of prayer this morning and you just want to get on your knees and on your face in front of God and just cry out, God, have mercy on me. And it might be for something that you have done or it might be something that is corporately done. And we can come and we can confess as a corporate body the things that are wrong. Maybe it's, Lord, forgive us for not doing more in this world. Lord, forgive us for not doing more on Como Street right behind us. Lord, forgive us for not reaching out to those apartments yet. Lord, forgive us. Maybe that's your prayer this morning. Maybe your prayer is, 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 is just, Lord, forgive me. I'm tired of screwing up and I'm tired of doing this on my own. I need you to do something here. Maybe, maybe your prayer is, Lord, thank you so much for providing for me. And it's a, it's a prayer of praise. We also have a cross over there that if you want to write down something on that cross and you want to nail it up there because you're giving it away to Jesus, it may be the thing that you write down here and you erase it. It may be the thing that you pray for there and you give it up and you may need one more. I mean, if you're anything like me, you may need one more chance to just write it down and nail it to that cross and just give it to Jesus and say, I, it's not my problem anymore, it's yours. And thank him for the fact that he is willing to carry those burdens. Over here we have candles. We do not believe in any way, shape, or form that there is power in candles. What we do believe is there's power in prayer. And there's something amazing about saying a prayer and lighting a candle and see it penetrate darkness. Because that's exactly what your prayers do. It is a symbol of the light penetrating a darkness. So if you want to light a candle, you can light a candle and just lift somebody up in prayer. You can light a candle, lift yourself up in prayer. You can light a candle because you like to see the light of God in the world. Back there we have a, a treasure chest. We, we receive tithes and offerings during this time because we believe it's an act of worship, not an act of obligation. And so during connecting time, if you want to just go back and be just grateful for the provisions of God, and you brought a tithe and offering with you, we, we, we'd love to receive that back there. Maybe for some of you, you've never, you've never actually given up to connect with this church. And, and you're a little bit worried about us knowing where you live or your email address. Back there by the information table, there's connection cards. Maybe you want to take that step today, and you want to fill that out so you can connect a little bit deeper, so you can figure out what's going on. Maybe some of you will connect by going home today and getting on our Facebook page and liking that page so you know what's going on. We also believe that God is mighty and big and that there is nothing he can't do right in your seats. We don't think the only way to connect with God is by making you get up and do something. We believe that God can meet you right where you are. The important thing about this time is that you connect with God, however you need to do that. So the invitation is yours. Maybe it's time to repent for something you've done. Maybe it's time to repent for something we've done. Maybe it's just time to just sit in the presence of God and be thankful for the fact that we get to. This is your time to come and connect.
Oh God, how I need 